0: what's up comrades welcome to the left side of Liberty podcast it's good to be back with you I apologize for yet again missing a week which was last week because I had a cold but now I'm better so I'm back with you guys today and I've got a pretty good show planned for you so let's see how this goes first of all if you haven't yet please like my Facebook page that's facebook facebook.com slash the left side of Liberty podcast. And uh, I'd really appreciate your support. Uh, donate on Patreon if you can, which is patreon.com slash uh It would really help me out here. So, uh, yeah, like the Facebook page and uh, donate on Patreon if, uh, if you can. So, anyway, uh, the, one of the things that I'd like to say first before I get into today's podcast is... Uh, Well, first of all, I'll get back to regular newscasts probably next week. Um, I'm sorry I haven't done a lot of news lately. I've been, uh, you know, haven't really been looking to be honest with you. But I promise I will start looking at news stories again. And uh, but it's been fun doing these specials to be honest with you. So anyway, though, I I have to get this. uh, I have to get this out. Uh, I, I want to sincerely send out uh, my thoughts of, my, my well wishes, if you will, to Rush Limbaugh and his family. Uh, for those that don't know, Rush Limbaugh is a conservative commentator, and he was actually very popular at one point. He was a, a radio host. Uh, again, for those that don't know or for international listeners that may not be familiar with uh, with Rush Limbaugh and his work, he uh, started in the 1980s, I believe, and was very popular for a while. His popularity has kind of dwindled in the past decade or so, but uh, at one point he was quite popular in the United States and is unfortunately... <laughs> One of the people responsible for shifting the Overton window in this country so far to the right that it's it's unbelievable uh, how far right this country is in comparison to the rest of the world. But the the point here is he got diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. Uh, I know he's battled addiction problems in his life, and you know so so he's had some hardships, man. And I think look. Rush Limbaugh, okay, he's never said an accurate thing in his life. He is very, he he displays a profound lack of knowledge about politics and about government and about just how our country and how the world at large works. Yet he's uh, been talking on air about politics and public policy and things like that for almost 40 years now so uh it's interesting that uh that that he has found a way to do that uh, given the fact that he doesn't know so much about uh again politics and governance and public policy and things like that and uh he's amassed a quite large following over the years again it's dwindled somewhat in the past decade or so but um that notwithstanding he again has stage 4 lung cancer and uh i definitely feel bad for him because here's the thing i don't like rush limbaugh okay i don't uh i don't like him personally i don't like him politically I, I mean, not that I've ever met him in person, but I just I, he just strikes me as not that great of a person. And uh, as evidence by I think he's been married, what, three or four times or whatever. So uh, but getting all that stuff out of the way, nobody deserves to go through medical trauma, man. Nobody, nobody deserves to go, especially stage four lung cancer. I mean, that's really, really rough. So I honestly hope uh, he pulls through this. And I, I I don't have any ill will toward him whatsoever. I mean, I've seen comments on like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and and social media platforms like that, where uh, people are saying, "Oh, you know, he he deserved this, and uh, oh, this is karma, and blah 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 blah," uh, because he has made some uh, derogatory uh, and, and sort of uh, just condescending comments about. Uh, people with cancer and about our healthcare system and things like that uh, in the past. But again, no matter how odious this person might be, no matter how disgusting his views are and what a selfish prick he is, again, he doesn't deserve to to go through something like this. Nobody does, okay? And if you think that he does deserve this, I I don't know what to say to you, to be honest with you. Uh, I think that that's a very reprehensible position to take, if you th- if you like take pleasure in somebody's suffering, and uh, especially if it's somebody that you disagree with. Like you can disagree with somebody, and yes, I will admit that I, I will concede, as I did before, that Rush Limbaugh is pretty damn stupid, you know, and ignorant. And I mean, he's he dropped out of college after like a semester or two. So, um, so maybe that explains some things, but, uh, no, the, the point overall is, uh, I sincerely hope he, uh, makes it through this and my thoughts and, f- and feelings and prayers go out to his family. And, uh, you know, that's pretty much it. So anyway, let's get to the, uh, the meat of this uh, podcast the first thing I want to do is my usual double video breakdown starting with um, there's a video re- that was uh, shot recently and released recently from this uh, MLK event I think I don't know where it was but it was on MLK day and it was AOC talking to uh nehisi Coates and she was or he was asking her about you know political issues and uh he mentions the word or the, the term the left and AOC uh accurately pointed out that we don't really have a left wing in America you know the the democrats are called left wing but if you look at their policy positions And uh, just look at their voting records and things like that, especially on issues of economics, civil liberties, war. They are incredibly right-wing. You know, just because you're slightly to the left of Republicans doesn't mean that you are actually on the left. Now, in a very literal sense, uh, you could say the Democrats are... Left-wing because they sit on the left side uh, in the chambers of Congress, but in a more abstract, uh, metaphorical sense or conceptual sense, the Democrats are, as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is going to say here, they're center-right. That's just the that's just a reality. So uh, the reality in this country is people who describe themselves as center-right or slightly right-of-center or whatever, what they're really saying is, according to the establishment spectrum in D.C., which is already pretty far to the right, so uh, in America, what you're really talking about when you say, oh, I'm center-right, if you're a voter, is you're just right-wing. Like, that's just the, uh, you know, because, you know, if you say, oh, I'm center-right, that means you're between... Uh, you know in the context of the United States you're between the Democrats and the Republicans and the Republicans are objectively empirically far, far right and the Democrats are center right so that means you're just a right winger that, that's all that means you know so it doesn't mean you're an actual quote unquote centrist or moderate or whatever um, so, uh, that, that's why I have, and I'll get to the video in a minute, but that uh, segues into the main thing that I want to talk about today, which is there's this false equivalency that goes on in this country that says, you know, the, the far right and the far left are inherently bad. Um, they're both equally bad is essentially what the argument is. And I'll go into why that's ridiculous later on. Uh, But for now, let's uh, listen to AOC talk about uh, her feelings on the Democratic Party and why it's not actually a quote-unquote left-wing party. Let's do this thing.
1: You know, in what you said earlier, too, I wanted to go back um, to what you said about our left party. We don't have a left party Mm. in the United States. Democratic Party is not a left party Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the Democratic Party is a center or center conservative party Mm -hmm. we do not advocate for we do not we can't even get a floor vote on Medicare for all Mm -hmm. not even a floor vote that gets voted down Mm -hmm. we can't even get a vote on it Mm -hmm. so this is not a left party Mm -hmm. there are left members inside the Democratic Party Mm -hmm that are working to try to make that shift happen. Mm -hmm.
0: It's okay. So that clip was uh, from secular talk. Thank you, Kyle Kalinsky for uh, clipping that out and uh, making my job easier. Um, So uh, what she's saying there is demonstrably true. You know, the, the Democrats are at best a centrist party, but more realistically, a center-right party, so I know that that may trigger some of my conservative listeners. But again, we're talking about uh, the uh, the political spectrum at large. We're not talking about the tiny, tiny spectrum that's the establishment spectrum in Washington D.C., which is skewed way to the right. You know, so so that's not. So so this is uh, what we're talking about when we say left. We're referring to the typical spectrum at large um, when we say that people are left or right or whatever. So uh, what she's generally saying is right. And she uses the example there of Medicare for all. And she's saying that, look, we can't even get a floor vote on it. It's not like we had a vote on it and it was rejected. We can't even uh, have a vote on it. Now, uh, the one thing I will say uh, about that is I don't think uh, healthcare policy is an inherently... Like, like I don't think wanting single payer is necessarily a left issue. I I don't think that, that, that it's... That that is something that that should be considered left wing per se, but uh, she's uh, generally right in her overall point that we can't even get that, and you know there are some people that uh, are technically left leaning in the Democratic Party, but they are a distinct minority. Uh, within that party, which, uh, as she correctly pointed out, the establishment in that party is, you know, fluctuates between centrists and center-right. So, uh, and the and there's also an example of people that are just plain right-wing, like uh, Joe Manchin, for instance, the Blue Dogs, you know? So, um and there's multiple uh, examples of, you know, your archetypal uh, blue dog Democrats, but yeah, the the what she's saying overall in that clip is absolutely right. That uh, yeah, Democrats are nowhere near a left wing party, and that this is why. Um, this is why I wish there were more parties. Like for instance, if we had a parliamentary system, uh, we would have probably have more parties. And I think AOC goes on to mention this in another part of that uh, discussion there where you have multiple parties, uh, with multiple ideologies. And then when election season comes, they, they build coalitions, but they're still different parties. Like you have, uh, in the UK, you have the Lib Dems, which are the centrist party. You have the Labour Party, which is a big tent. There are some left members, but especially in the sort of Tony post Tony Blair era, they have effectively that uh, sorry, effectively become a sort of third way centrist party themselves, uh, with the exception of people like Jeremy Corbyn, who uh, tried to and is still trying to drag that party back to the left. So, And then, of course, you have the Tories, you have UKIP, you have uh, a ton of different parties, all with different uh, ideologies in one form or another. Uh, there are, Again, there are factions with, uh, of each party with similar views, but overall the ideologies are somewhat different. So that's a much better system, in, in my view, than... What we have in the United States where you have, you know, some smaller parties, but they have no seats in the federal government and they, they barely even have a prayer of getting a seat in the federal government. Um, and you have a duopoly on power at the federal level. You have the Democrats and you have the Republicans and then you have uh, independents, which are but they still. Are affiliated with the two parties, like you have uh, Justin Amash, who recently became an independent, and but I think he's st- like he he would still affiliate with uh, with the Republicans. Technically, he was a Republican uh, as a matter of fact, and then you have Angus King and Bernie Sanders, who both are like they caucus with the Democrats. So that's not necessarily a real example of people that are outside the two-party system. So so yeah, the parliamentary system uh, would be much better because on what planet does it make sense for AOC and Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and Bernie Sanders and Ro Khanna... On what planet does that make sense to have them be in the same party as Nancy frickin' Pelosi and Chuck frickin' Schumer and Joe frickin' Manchin? It's like, are you kidding me? Like, where... What planet does that possibly make sense on? Like, I don't understand at all. But... But anyway the main point that i want to make here is that aoc gets a lot of shit from people uh in the media and especially in conservative media i mean aoc derangement syndrome is a thing as conservatives mock uh democrats for having trump derangement syndrome which some of them do but uh it's like AOC derangement syndrome exists too, and Ilhan Omar derangement syndrome, and Rashida Tlaib derangement syndrome, like, these also exist, and they are becoming more and more common uh, with conservatives. So, uh, anyway, uh, she was very... I, I thought she gave a pretty good answer. Like I, Like I said, I had a couple of minor problems with it, but overall I think uh, she did a great job and what she's generally uh, what she's saying is generally right so yeah Democrats not even close to a left wing party don't let anybody tell you otherwise not even close I mean I used to be a member of the Democratic Party and I did leave not because the party was too far left which is a laughable assertion uh, to make that, oh, they've shifted so far left. Eh, wrong. Some of their rhetoric may have uh, shifted somewhat to the left. But again, their policies are what you actually have to look at. And their policies really aren't that different from uh, from Republican policies. In fact, as Noam Chomsky said uh, on numerous, he said this on numerous occasions, that the Democratic Party of today, they're essentially what would have been known 40 50 years ago as moderate Republicans, you know and even into the 1990s uh, they're what's you know they would be moderate Republicans even I've said I've said this before there was an uh, an interview with Barack Obama in the Atlantic from, I think 2012 or 2013, where he described his governing style, if you will, as that of a moderate Republican. And he said specifically a moderate Republican from the 1980s. So in other words, not that much different from Ronald Reagan. Now, I don't think Ronald Reagan was nearly as, quote unquote, conservative as uh, he's portrayed even by a lot of conservatives because, uh, again, uh, from Noam Chomsky, he uh, Reagan intervened massively in the economy, um, was extremely interventionist, raised taxes. Uh, you know, he just uh, invading all these countries. I mean, uh, certainly by uh, the original definition of conservative, Reagan is nowhere near uh, conservative, so, uh, but but anyway, the point is that even Barack Obama admitted he's like, yeah, you know, my my governing style is is basically a moderate Republican from the Reagan era, you know. So uh, that that I think is one of the most honest and genuine quotes from Obama ever, you know. So. Uh, anyway, uh, let's go on to our next video, which uh, concerns a somewhat a, a news story ish, like a news ish story. It's it's about the uh, Pelosi and uh, Trump state of the union. And what happened was, for those that didn't see it, well, uh, well, Trump was finishing up his state of the union address Nancy Pelosi did this very theatrical and very convincing, by the way, uh, you know, totally not rehearsed or contrived in any way. She took uh, uh, her copy of Trump's State of the Union address and she tore it up and just in this big, weird theatrical moment. It was so, it's, it's really cringy, to be honest with you. So, and it's interesting because Fox News and people like that are freaking out over this. Like, oh, Nancy Pelosi, so uncivil. It's like, guys, calm down. Nancy Pelosi, uh, she agrees with you guys on a lot of your policies. So I don't care what her theatrics are. Say I don't care what, uh, what her facade is. I care about what she does. I don't I don't care about what she says. Uh, I care about the policies that she supports. And the fact is, she approved Trump's military budget. She, uh, has tried to push through bills, uh, that have allocated funding for Trump's border wall. Uh, She has uh, authorized or or not not penalized Trump for not seeking uh, approval from Congress for his droning and bombing campaigns, like in Iran and Syria. And so the point is, this is Pelosi's way of pandering to the sort of centrists and Democrat, like the sort of corporate Democrats and corporate or voters with corporate Democrat sympathy uh, this is a, a way for her to to pander to those people while she uh, at, at the same time supports at least half of Trump's agenda if not more so that's what I and that's what I want to stress to conservatives is, calm down. Pelosi's much more on your side than, uh, than what she presents herself as. You know, uh, like she tried to do this smug thing on, uh, on sixty minutes. I think and I think it was Leslie Stahl who was interviewing her and saying, you know, AOC and people like that are starting to to challenge you and you know, saying that you're not progressive enough and you're not, and she's like, well, I'm the real progressive or something like that. Like I'm the progressive in the, uh, in the party. It's like, shut up Pelosi. No, you're not, you know, she is about as progressive as, you know, Newt Gingrich, (laughs) you know, like, like congratulations. You're slightly to the left of Newt Gingrich. Good for you. Um, and uh, he was a former speaker of the house too, so that's interesting uh, that I make that uh, that I made that analogy. Wow, you're slightly to the left of, of Newt Gingrich. Good, good for you, Nancy. Wow, you you ripped up Trump's speech uh, at the State of the Union. Oh, that's so bold. That's so bold. It's like you know, ooh, watch me uh, tear this paper up. Now look the other way while I uh, allow Trump to continue bombing brown people overseas. And uh, uh, continuing to spy on all Americans and uh, bailing out Wall Street, the tax cuts, you know, you know, all this stuff that uh, Democrats are supposed to fight against. Uh, Let me uh, support all of that and just do this theatrical bullshit uh, to appease the Democratic loyalists in my base that don't know any better. So anyway... Uh the second clip that I want to go through which I'm also going to largely agree with is a clip from the show Rising with uh Crystal and Sager and uh so Crystal Ball and uh Sager I Jetty, is that how you uh, pronounce it I, I I feel so bad now uh but uh that is uh Uh, and Jetty yes Uh, so Sagar and Jetty and uh, Crystal Ball are gonna talk here about what I was just talking about the Pelosi and her theatrics and whatever and this is interesting because uh, Sagar isn't falling for this bullshit and even he knows and he's a conservative and even he knows that uh, Pelosi has agreed with Trump on a lot of his policies so um, so She's not fooling anybody, uh, and, and she's also not fooling many conservatives like Sager who actually know her voting record and know that she actually agrees with Republicans at least half the time. So let's hear them uh, break the, break uh, this down. Uh, you heard my breakdown of it, uh, and maybe I'll break down some of their breakdown. Uh, but for now, let's just hear <laughs> Crystal and Sager's uh, breakdown from just a few hours ago actually so this is pretty fresh take it away guys
2: morning everybody happy wednesday yes it's wednesday today (laughs) we
1: got it right this time
2: (laughs) i apologize what do we have today crystal it is an amazing show of course it's an
1: amazing show that goes without saying although we do like to say it every day um we have a surrogate for people
0: i'm gonna uh skip ahead a little bit sorry about that uh hold on a minute
1: with the state of the union speech and the democrats reaction to that speech in particular well
2: nancy pelosi could not simply clap at the president once again so she had to re-up herself she needs to make sure she gets that front page hashtag resistance Mm -hmm. jiff so we have this clip from what she did at the end of the state of the union there it is. And so the funniest thing about that, Crystal, you know, with that that rip up and 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 oh, look at that. It's so dramatic. And this is what Glenn Greenwald uh, and Aaron Mate, two friends of the show, I saw tweeting about this is like she does these little hashtag resistance things. But then whenever Juan Guaido is introduced, she actually stood up faster than Vice President Mike Pence, who is actually the holder, the, the chief of Venezuela policy. For the White House. So, it, it, what I always look at, and what you always look at, what's the most dangerous thing? It's not what one side stands up for. It's when everybody starts to stand up, starts standing up in order to clap, having a standing ovation. Now, look, I'm not saying Maduro is a good guy, but I'm like, I don't really care. You know, if the Venezuelans want to figure it out. That's fine. I think it one fighter has no
1: legitimacy. And I think all it's pretty
2: wild to be like, you have a rightful president of another country. Whenever you know, whatever. There's, there's a long the, legacy the, the point okay. is that the
1: bipartisan yes. regime change change consensus is alive exactly. as well in washington <laughs> yes, that's, that's, congratulations exactly. okay. everyone that feels great and
2: that's what i'm saying is like and aaron says this he's like this is exactly you know you try and impeach your president while you vote for their war budget you try and you're like oh i'm gonna stand up you know against fascism that's creeping in america and then you know you go and you give them unprecedented powers in order to bomb whomever yeah. they would want oh. there's just
0: thank you sagar okay so let me go through that uh, so far. He was saying a lot of the stuff that I was saying um, and just just uh, the one Guaido thing, I didn't know about that because I haven't subjected myself to much of uh, Trump's State of the Union address. Uh, I might torture myself later on and uh, watch more of it, but I've only seen like a minute, you know, like cumulatively, uh, I've seen a minute maybe of footage from uh from the State of the Union, so and I've read a few quotes from it, but I didn't know Juan Guaido was there. It's like, yeah, uh you know, me, Nancy Pelosi, I'm so brave and so bold and so courageous that I'm going to stand up faster than Mike frickin' Pence uh when Juan Guaido is is introduced. So uh I'm gonna you know tear up the president's state of the union address later on, but then I'm going to get up before Mike Pence and I'm going to cheer this guy that we've just declared willy nilly uh, is the president of a sovereign country that we shouldn't even be involved in at all. Uh, So we just will, we don't like Maduro, which again, I've, I've gone on record multiple times as saying I'm not the biggest fan of Maduro either. I think, Uh, like I've said before, I think he, uh, I think he's not quite as bad as the media, especially in the United States, uh, depicts him as, but he certainly has a lot of, of downsides and is very authoritarian and uses police brutality to crack down on, uh, on protesters and speech that he doesn't like and things like that. So those things are bad, but, uh, he's not a threat to anybody in the United States, uh, except oil interests, which is why we're there anyway, or why, why we're trying to poke them with a stick and, and instigate some sort of conflict, uh, with Venezuela and Maduro specifically. So we can install our little puppet Guaido for corporate interests So, uh, so yeah, Nancy Pelosi, nobody's fooled by this. I mean, maybe reactionaries are, uh, because I've seen a lot of things like, Ooh, Pelosi so anti-American Ooh, Pelosi. So anti-Trump. Ooh, she should be impeached and blah, 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 blah. You know, it's like, guys, look at the voting record. Stop, stop for just two seconds stop watching Hannity for one night and do some actual research, Nancy Pelosi agrees with Donald Trump on much of his agenda, you know, and uh, she's even bent over backwards to try and accommodate uh, him in certain instances, like with border wall funding, but the policies uh, that go along with it aren't barbaric enough, which is the only reason why those proposals have died in the Senate because the Republicans are blocking them because they're not draconian enough. you know so they're still pretty freaking draconian. but the only reason why those bills have not been uh, made into law is because the Republicans want them to be even more draconian and ridiculous. So, uh, so she agrees uh, with with a lot of of his agenda, and even Sagar can see that a conservative, and certainly Crystal uh, can see that as well. So, again, Pelosi, this this act that you're doing, just stop, you know, and you know you think that this is going to score you brownie points with the Democratic base, but. Again, Democrats don't trust you. They hate you. I hated you when I was a Democrat. Um, they know your voting record. They know that you uh, that you agree with Trump, and they know that this is all just theatrical bullshit. So, just drop the act. It's like you're so bad at this. Drop the act. I'm begging you. You know, it's actually. You know what? No. I take that back. I'm sorry. Keep it up, because it's very entertaining to, to watch you grandstand and moan and cry and bitch and, you know, tear up papers and whatever uh, as you uh, actually agree with the party that you're s- supposedly the opposition to. So anyway
2: the sheer inconsistency of it it's hashtag resistance like yes queen Um, it's like yes queen resistance whenever there's no real substance behind it and that's why I mean I think she came out looking terrible well
1: I mean i Look, you know my view. This is all theater, right? You gave the guy a blank check to bomb whoever, whatever, however he wanted to. You didn't Mm -hmm. do anything about that. You gave him a massive military budget. You let him pass a bad trade deal, like gave him a huge win on that the Mm -hmm. day after you literally vote on articles of impeachment. This is the theater of resistance. This isn't real resistance.
0: Thank you, Crystal. Okay, that was another thing. Yes, uh, Pelosi did allow uh, the USMCA to pass. Now, the USMCA, it's an improvement over NAFTA, but considering how terrible NAFTA was, that's not saying much. Now, I originally gave Trump credit for uh, the USMCA, but once I read the fine print and, and once I uh, looked into the finer details of the... Uh, of the actual uh proposal itself, uh, and deal itself, it's not that much better than NAFTA. You know, it's like, ooh, you know, you improved on NAFTA like five percent, you know. You know, so way to go, Trump. And uh, congratulations, Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. Uh I'm going to pretend like I support the impeachment of Donald Trump anyway. Uh I will support you in outsourcing more jobs and, uh, again, allowing corporations to keep running the show uh, in this country. So uh, anyway, uh, Sagar and Crystal are going to also go into how this whole impeachment saga and Pelosi's stunt at the State of the Union this helps Donald Trump and that's empirical They're gonna cite you know that his numbers are skyrocketing now. So congratulations Pelosi you think you're this like you, you try to present yourself as this uh, this sort of firebrand resistance fighter person <laughs> uh, but in reality, You're not. And again, for the millionth time, everybody can see through it. Everybody with two brain cells uh, and everybody that looks into your voting record and Trump's voting record. Everybody knows that this is that this is bullshit and they can see right through it. So anyway, continue, guys.
1: And so that's the thing that always frustrates me so much. I saw some hand on Twitter from Democrats about like, oh, sh- now she's playing into the violation of norms, et cetera. I don't freaking care about that. If she wants to re- rip the speech up, fine. Rip the right. speech up. The part that I have an issue with is don't pretend that you're opposing this president and his worst elements when you're not, when yep. in fact you're handing him a blank check on some of the most dangerous pieces and supporting ultimately the worst of the bipartisan status right. quo. And see, that's, 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 that's what
2: everybody. I always want to focus on is any I see some, everybody starts standing up and it usually has something to do with accumulated finance, then I'm like, oh, there's, there's the real consensus. And by right. the way, none of this is actually happening right now. None of this is actually working right now. Gallup numbers came out yesterday The Trump Trump's job approval is the at his best 49%. Within that actually, it shows that it's ticked up since October. I don't really know what be, happened in October and September there, Crystal, but uh, from 42% to 50. So the entire country's focused on impeachment, his approval rating is higher than ever. The approval rating of the Republican Party is actually up six points over the year. And his approval rating on the economy is at the highest level for any president since George W. Bush at the height of the 2001 post 9-11 era. So, job, guys. let's say you are, you know, hashtag resisting. Are you doing a very good job? Trump's approval rating is at the highest that it's ever been. The Republican Party is more popular than it's ever been. And what just happened in Iowa? Well, we don't know entirely, but the one data point that we have is that turnout was at not a record high, like we expected, <laughs> not a record and high. probably the 172,000 number around that we saw last time, so you weren't able to drive out more votes, the president's approval rating is very, very high, handling of the economy is high, and that's because the prosecution of a case against Trump has been all about norms, and it's all been all about culture. There are things in that speech which I cringed at, like opportunity zones, and like talking about tax cuts, instead of, you know, I wish he'd leaned a little bit harder into child tax credits, but overall, I thought it was one of the most effective speeches of his entire presidency, and it leaned very hard in some of the populist energy that I've talked about here, and watching him up there making the case, um, specifically for lower drug pricing and all that, I really thought it was a very good speech on his part, and that the, Repu- the Democratic response, if it's just gonna be to tear it up, nothing's gonna happen.
1: Here's yeah. my thing, Yeah. right? You cannot have gone into this whole process thinking that your number one priority is to get rid of Trump, and then the end of the process is that he's in a better position than ever before. I mean, it's kind of amazing. I was on CNN this morning, and even they said, looks like impeachment made him popular even they're having to admit the truth of what we said all along, which is that this is a disaster for Democrats. It's not what people want to focus on. It's only going to play into his hands. And so congratulations. In terms of the actual process that really could remove him from office, all you've done is set us way back. I get accused, Glenn gets accused, Matt Taibbi gets Katie Halber, Aaron Mosley, we all get accused of being like Russian assets who love Trump. No one has done more to help Donald Trump than the Democratic establishment Establishment and the establishment media that enables them. They are the people who have given him the highest approval rating that he has seen this entire term. Yeah. So that's all I have to say Congrats about that. Everybody. Way but to hey, go, guys! She up great piece work. Of paper. All right, we're gonna tell you.
0: All right. So, great stuff from Crystal and Sager. I totally agree that this has had the exact opposite effect of what the stupid establishment Democrats. Uh, thought it was going to have like you want to sink Donald Trump's reputation, and all you did was sink your reputation, and you've improved his. You've made people like sympathize with Donald Trump. This is a guy who, I mean, his tax plan is is awful. Yes, the. There are middle class and working class tax cuts in there, but they expire after a decade. And the tax cuts for the rich and corporations are more comprehensive and they're permanent. So unbelievable. Damn it, guys. The oh, the Democrats are so infuriating. They are the most incompetent people when it comes to politics. On the face of the planet. Oh, my God. I I don't know a single political party anywhere in the world that is as stupid as the Democratic Party. Oh, my God. So in this, uh, I'm glad Crystal mentioned CNN because there was uh, this controversy recently where Don Lemon had a couple of like corporate Democrat guests on and he himself is pretty corporate Democrat leaning. He's not a quote unquote leftist as, you know, Ben Shapiro and and Fox News and people like that would have you believe not even close. He is he has sympathies with the corporate Democrats. So, again, actually quite right wing and quite quite uh, center to center right. So, uh, that's what Don Lemon is. But anyway, he had his, these guests on that were mocking Trump supporters and putting on like sort of like hillbilly accents and like saying like, Ooh, you know, they can't find Ukraine on a map. You know, these, these, these conservatives, you know, it's like, what does that prove? Like what, what, what does that have to do with anything? I mean, OK, you can point to Ukraine on a map, probably, but that's irrelevant because that, again, that's not saying anything like, Ooh, these, you know, these uh, Trump supporters, they're complaining about the phone call to Ukraine. I bet these guys couldn't find a, uh, or complaining about us uh, pursuing impeachment based on a phone call to Ukraine. But uh, they can't find uh, the Ukraine on a map. You know, it's like. Well, congratulations, you idiots! You just handed a bunch of people who may have sided with the Democrats, or like who who are on the fence and maybe apolitical, who maybe could have had sympathy with the Democrats and could have uh, leaned in that direction. You just handed them over to Trump. There's no there's no better way. Like, imagine you're a a, a Imagine you live in rural West Virginia and you're watching CNN one night. You're a coal miner. Your benefits are, are in jeopardy because of of McConnell and people like that. Your, your benefits are in jeopardy. Your job is in jeopardy. Uh, and, you know, so you're freaking out. You're like, oh, my God, how am I going to uh, feed my family? How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to pay the rent? How am I going to, you know... Uh, Pay my car, my gas, you know all, all this stuff. How am I going to do this? And uh, you look to see you 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 look at CNN to see uh, these Democratic candidates that you think may improve your 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 life, uh, and then you tune in and you watch smug idiots like Don Lemon laugh and make fun of Trump supporters, and you're like. Hey, I, you know, uh, and also, you know, make fun of, like, Southern accents and things like that. And you're just like, hey, I was was thinking about voting Democrat in this election, but... You know, if if this is what the Democrats think of me and the the establishment mouthpieces in the establishment media, if that's what they think of me, that I'm this rube, uh, then you know what? I'm going to go with Trump because Trump uh, has been railing against the media this entire time. Now I can see what he's talking about. I'm going to vote for that guy. It's like, that's what you're doing. That's exactly what you just did, where there's probably millions of people or at least hundreds of thousands that, you know, are on the fence and, and would have voted for Democrats. But now they're like, oh, this is what they think of me? Screw that. I'm going with Trump, you know? So. OK, so as Sagar and Crystal said, congratulations, guys, your strategy, your, your stupid strategy did the exact opposite of what You intended it to do. Congratulations. Okay, so we got that out of the way. Now, let's get to the sort of meat and potatoes, if you will, of this podcast. What I wanted to talk about today is this idea that is actually quite prevalent in this country, which is uh, this idea that has also, by the way, been uh, popularized by like the sort of by the sort of pseudo intellectuals like uh, Steven Pinker and Jordan Peterson and blah 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 blah. I mean Jordan Peterson's Canadian, but uh, so the U.S. and Canada. There we go. Uh, just the the whole well the the uh, extremes on both sides are equally bad and equally wrong and equally dangerous. No 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 no, no no. That is absolutely false. Even if we go by the definition of what these guys would consider quote unquote far left, uh, that's you know, again, that's really centrism, essentially. Uh, and in some cases, center-right-ism. <laughs> um, but anyway, the point is, what does, for instance, Bernie Sanders want want to do? He's considered, quote-unquote, far left by a lot of these people. What does he want to do? Oh, he wants to give people health care. He wants to make sure people can afford a, a good college education by, uh, by allowing... People to go to public universities for free and uh, he wants to uh, relieve student loan debt and he wants to, you know, do all these things and, uh, and help improve people's lives uh, or at least the vast majority of people uh, improve their lives. And uh, on the far right, you have Donald Trump who... Uh, again, has, as a result of his policies, kicked 7 million people off their health insurance. Uh, he has continued the policy of spying on Americans and and uh, and uh, preserving the bloated NSA started by Obama. So, so much for being the anti-Obama guy. Like, ooh, I, I'm going to do everything Obama... Uh, couldn't do, and, and, and think, th- things that he did, I'm going to reverse. Well, it's interesting how you didn't reverse his bloated NSA, uh, or his, his NSA bloating. Sorry. Uh, it's interesting how you didn't choose that one. You chose, like, the Iran deal, which was, like, the one good thing on foreign policy that Barack Obama actually did. You did the one thing, the, the one thing that was a bright spot in Barack Obama's foreign policy, and you tore that one up, and almost caused a war, and have almost caused a war with Iran multiple times. You've brought us within a razor's edge of war with, with, uh, with Iran. Sorry. Um, so that's the example of somebody that's far right. Not, not to mention continuing the the Clinton Clinton era policy and Obama era policy. Of locking kids in cages uh, for uh, coming across the border and detaining them in these horrible conditions uh, and treating them as subhuman, you know, just these lowlifes, essentially. Uh, That's what you're treating them like. So that's what the far right is doing. What is the quote unquote, again, what is the far left doing, quote unquote? The quote-unquote far left, which again is really just centrists, uh, they want people to have health care. They want to improve the environment. Uh, now, of course, Jordan Peterson and Ben Shapiro and all these idiots are uh, have convinced a lot of people that agree with them uh, that ooh, this is like a like like in the environment and the health care thing and blah blah blah. Ooh, this is like a secret Marxist plot to. Uh, destroy the american economy no it's going to help the american economy by every objective measure medicare for all would save us money uh the green new deal uh the way it was crafted like aoc's green new deal the way it was crafted was disorganized and awful but the the idea of a green new deal is is great because it would provide millions of new jobs that are going to be desperately needed in the very, 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 very near future. So uh, they're not going to destroy the economy. They're going to help the economy. Uh, But anyway, so that's what the quote-unquote far left is doing. So, But even if we go with the actual definitions of far left and far right uh, this is still a ridiculous notion that they're equally uh, that they're equally bad so uh, there's the far left which is essentially anarchists uh, like myself who they want people to have uh, control, more control over their own lives, they want people to uh, have a say in what goes on in their workplaces, an equal say. Uh, they want compensation for labor to be more equitable. Instead of having CEOs make, I think it's like three hundred and something times more than uh, than their employees. It's like they don't work that much harder. the The CEO does not put in three hundred times more work. Uh, than his workers on any given day that's absolutely absurd he's not he or she is not down there on the floor building the things like you know, like yes you know the guy started the company or the, the you know whoever the ceo is the, the the man or the woman they started the company but that does not give them the right the right to make exponentially more money than their employees that actually make it so their company can still be in business. It's the workers that create the products and the and, and carry out the services, not the CEOs. You yeah, so uh so I don't care. Like this is another example, just real quick. Uh Ben Shapiro was triggered by AOC's uh speech at the MLK Day event there. He was triggered by that and he was talking and she was AOC was making the same argument that, that I'm making that CEOs aren't down there on the floor in these manufacturing plants, for instance, uh, or in uh, nonprofit organizations actually carrying out services or building that are building things that are uh, in all these manufacturing jobs and things like that. They're not doing that. Uh, so she was making that argument and. Ben Shapiro was like, this is the labor theory of value. This is the labor theory of value. And uh, uh, the CEO deserves to make that much more money because they they're the ones that took the risk and and started the business and blah, 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 you know, so that that was his argument. And uh, I'm not really sure what AOC thinks about the labor theory of value. I used to believe in it. I'm kind of ambivalent about it now. I, I do because I do think that. The subjective labor, or uh, sorry, the subjective theory of value, uh, can work within a market socialist uh, sense, and the the labor theory of value is is a really confusing thing uh, to a lot of people, including myself. So I'm not really a proponent of it anymore. Uh, but the the main idea of the labor theory of value i still support which is that workers should get out exactly what they put in uh in regard to their labor so if they um like i said if they like say you're on uh say you work as an apple picker let's say that and you uh, you pick twenty apples in a day. You deserve uh, by this format here of labor compensation. Since you pick twenty apples, you deserve twenty apples in return. So, or or twenty uh, whatever food items you want, whatever. Uh, and especially with things like three D printing and 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 stuff like that, it'll be easier to meet that demand because. Uh, there are people that would say, oh, well, what about scarcity? And what about... Scarcity is an illusion. We have ample resources at our disposal. It's just, it just so happens that a few people, comparatively speaking, in the world own a lot of those resources and are hoarding it for themselves. This is, this is verifiable fact. Um, you know, This is reality. This is how the world works. And what anarchists like myself are trying to do is build a better world. Not a perfect world because human beings are not perfect. And, and and anybody who's not a pure utopian knows that, you know, anybody that is realistic about this stuff, we get it. We know that human beings are flawed fundamentally even, but we're trying to create a system that while still acknowledging that human beings are flawed, we're trying to build a better system or at least advocate building a better system so that's what the far left does what the far right does uh, is hold Nazi rallies and KKK rallies and uh, in terms of uh, the right-wing so-called libertarians you know which are on you know the far right of the economic spectrum they advocate total corporate tyranny without any government regulation whatsoever so, or you know, government intervention on behalf of the people whatsoever so you know that that's kind of pokes a hole i would say in the sort of idea that like radical centrism is the is the answer uh because it's like th- those are not equally like like wanting more democracy in the workplace and wanting a direct uh, a uh, bottom-up uh, approach to governance, or or at least some sort of organization, uh, that is not like morally inferior, or or equally as as morally inferior as people that are literal Nazis and people that advocate for total corporate tyranny. So, that, that equivalence needs to stop. Now, there's a caveat here that I want to add. The caveat being, I wholeheartedly condemn and disapprove of the tactics used by Antifa, many of whom are people like anarchists and people that are actually on the far left, those people need to be be condemned, and yes, those people uh, are dangerous uh, to a certain degree, and they definitely need to change their tactics. Like like I've said before, uh, but for people that uh, are new to my podcast, I'm an anarcho pacifist. I believe that we should resolve our conflicts peacefully, and that we shouldn't oppose fascist uh, contacts or fascist uh, tactics. I'm sorry fascist tactics by ourselves on the left using fascist tactics. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. If you fight fire with fire, you're just going to get more fire, man. That's the reality of the situation. You know, if you try to say, there's a bee's nest, uh, if you try to, uh, get rid of this bee's nest, uh, or the bees in this bee's nest by adding more bees. It's just going to add more freaking bees, man. The, the, this is the reality of the situation. Uh, so I do condemn those. And and yes, those people are dangerous. I totally concede that. But that problem, comparatively speaking, is a tiny problem, very tiny. And I would argue that even though the Nazi problem and KKK problem is also comparatively small, I would argue that it is a bit bigger than the violent uh, Antifa factions. Now, like I said, I support anti-fascist movements in general, but I do not support the members of, of Antifa in the United States that are... You know, beating people with bats and bike locks and, you know, and yelling and screaming and threatening old people and conservatives on on, uh, speaking on college campuses and blah, blah, blah. It's like that just shows that you can't beat these people uh, in an argument that says more about you than them. Really? You can't beat Michael Knowles in an argument. You can't beat freaking Ben Shapiro. Uh, In a discussion, you can't beat Dave Rubin. It's like, wow, that's really sad. You know, so it's like I I can debunk uh, the talking points that these people use in my sleep. I can debunk this. You know, I I can debunk everything they stand for, every talking point they make in my sleep. And you guys are going to resort to violence like what? What happened? The left, the 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 left, used to oppose violence. The left, you know, they they used to be hippies. You know, they they they. Uh, now some anarchists have resorted to violence uh, in the past, but but overall, especially in the United States, the the you know the there are factions of people that were anarchists and leftists that were peaceful and and, and, and tried to resolve things uh, uh and resolve conflicts peacefully. So let's get back to that is my point. You know, let's leave the whole uh, violence and whatever behind because that's just going to make you look like an asshole and it's also morally wrong to just beat up people that you disagree with. That's not again, all that shows is that you can't beat them in a discussion. So you have to beat them physically. That's really, really stupid and really sick, to be honest with you. So, uh, the anarcho-pacifist movement is something that really, really appeals to me and I'm very proud to be an Uh, anarcho-pacifist because I would never, ever, want somebody again this goes back to the Rush Limbaugh thing. Like I don't want him to suffer just because he's a despicable human being and I disagree with him. Same thing with uh uh Michael Knowles who got like pepper sprayed or something like that on campus uh by people associated with Antifa. It's like I don't you know I don't wish any harm or anything on Michael Knowles even though I don't like him. It's like that this is this is nuts. We can't keep doing this. So that is the massive caveat that that I will acknowledge that, yes, there are some violent elements, particularly in America uh, of the left, and they do need to be condemned. And I do condemn them on this podcast a lot. But. Again, overall, I don't think that you'll find that a lot of, of people who either call themselves leftists or actually are leftists, uh, I don't think you'll find that they actually support, that most of them actually support uh, the despicable actions that some members of Antifa have taken over the past few years or so since the election uh, of Donald Trump in particular. Uh, Yeah, the guy is terrible, but that doesn't give you the right to lash out at other people or lash out at his supporters, especially because you don't know their motivations. They could have been people that lost their job and they listened to Trump rail against the the trade deals like the TPP, permanent normal trade relations with China, uh, NAFTA, all these, these horrible trade deals. And they're like, you know what? I think I'm gonna vote for that guy because if I vote for Hillary, uh, she's just gonna uh, ship my job away. So I'd rather roll the dice on this guy who I think maybe uh, will keep my job here. Like you're not, uh, you're not taking into account those people that were just desperate. So and you're not gonna recruit people, you're not gonna attract people to your cause by beating other people up. That that is. The worst strategy that you could possibly uh, pursue in order to grow a movement. That if you want to, if you want to grow a movement, do the exact opposite of that. That's what I would say. So yes, those factions, on uh, both the far left and the far right, need to be condemned. But I will say I do think that the elements of the far right that are violent are actually more than the elements of the quote-unquote far left that are violent. So I don't necessarily have uh, any data on that. I, I will definitely look into it. And if I, I find data that contradicts what I said, I'll come out here and I, I, I will apologize and I'll correct myself. But I just have this this, this instinct, this this feeling within me that Uh, that there are far more people uh, who are violent, racist, bigoted people on the far right than there are violent people on the so-called far left. So that is the main point that I wanted to make about violence. But as far as policies go, again, there's really no comparison between the quote unquote far left and the far right, especially if you don't buy to the right wing talking points against the so-called and th- this is why I'm talking about this is why I'm referring to people like Bernie Sanders as the so-called far left because they're not really quote unquote far left you know it's like ooh Bernie Sanders so far left he's gonna tank the economy and blah 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 it's like no first of all he's not far left. And second of all, uh, his policies, again, empirically will help the economy. According to every objective study, even the Mercatus Institute, which was trying to disprove that Medicare for all would be a benefit to the uh, net benefit to the economy. They even said that, you know what? We hate to admit it, but it'll save at least $2 trillion. And then there was a, uh, a study from UMass, I think it was, uh, that said $5 trillion. Uh, uh, UMass Lowell, actually, that said $5 trillion, that that Medicare for All will save us $5 trillion. So uh, don't believe the talking points. Uh, the so-called, the, the, like I said, even the straw man of the quote-unquote far left is much more innocuous than the far right, you know, and and, the, and also the actual quote-unquote far left, I guarantee you, is less dangerous than uh than the far right. The only people that uh are really ha- have reason. To be threatened by us because our ideas threaten their power are the corporations and the, the very, 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 very wealthy and the politicians. So uh, those are the people where I don't blame them for being terrified of uh, people with ideas that are, quote unquote, far left. But uh, overall, I would say that we that we. Sorry about that, that we are a safer bet in terms of uh, the quote unquote extremes, you know, like like we're definitely uh, better because, again, we want you to have uh, the essential resources that you need to survive without worrying about how to pay for them. We want you to uh, have more say in your workplace, because after all, it's where you spend most of your waking life. So if you're, you know, most people, I should say, that's where they spend most of their waking life. And of course, for people like that have disabilities and can't work, uh, we'll definitely uh, find a way to accommodate you as well. Uh, But overall, we want you to have more uh, democracy in your workplace. We want you to have more representation. We want you to uh, have more, uh, direct participation in a democracy, you know, so, so this is what, uh, this is what the, I would say the majority of the far left wants, you know, in reality. And again, I'm not talking about Bernie Sanders or AOC or people like that, because they're really not, uh, far left. I would say the AOC is to the left of Bernie, but, Again, still, that's not necessarily far left, you know. Um, so don't be fooled by the uh, obsession in this country with centrism and, you know, radical centrism and, and, and things like that. Because uh, centrism on some things is OK, but it's not an inherent answer to... What are the what are perceived as the extremes? Uh, to give an "quote unquote" extreme example, let me uh, pose this: So, if you have, let's say, in a hypothetical world, Nazi Germany was a democracy instead of a dictatorship, but was still, you know, like but like Hitler. Allowed for like uh, parliamentary decisions uh, on certain things so let, let's just imagine this for a second so the and then there, there's a party on the left which is uh, opposed to uh, putting Jews in concentration camps totally opposed to the final solution or whatever and then you have the Nazis on the right who are um, who want six million Jews to be uh, to be put in gas chambers. Again, this is hypothetical, but this gets you to think a little bit. What the advocates in this country for centrism would uh would then advocate for is hey why don't we gas three million Jews you know because again that's that's the midpoint between zero and six like hey let's do three or four million you know it's like so that's an example where centrism is not uh, good but but for a less extreme and more realistic and practical example let's take healthcare so the quote unquote far left position in this country on healthcare is. Now, now of course, the real left position is uh, to decommodify healthcare uh, and still have workers that that uh, are that 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 administer healthcare, but it's in an anarcho syndicalist context where everybody has a vote and they decide uh, what services to provide, how much to provide, and uh, again, what to do with surplus value and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so, uh, well, I just said decommodify, uh, so forget the surplus value thing. But th- that's in general what the the actual left anarchist position is. But in the context of this country, the far right wants the wild, wild west where it's every man for himself and uh, you have this quote unquote choice of, hmm, do I want uh, my you know do i want a plan where i can uh get a, a heart transplant and uh and fixing a broken leg uh, but not covering cancer treatments or uh do i want cancer treatments but not covering the again the the, the heart transplant or the liver transplant or the broken bones like that that's basically what you get. Uh, in this country uh, in terms of the private insurance system so that's the far right the so-called far left wants health care for everybody you know and uh, again it's demonstrably proven by multiple studies that it would save money so they want to provide health care for so so what so Those, again, quote-unquote extreme positions are not equally terrible. One is much better and one is much worse. It would cost less. You can keep your doctor. You know, you don't have to worry about uh, doctors being, quote, you know, out of network and whatever bullshit, you know. So that's what um, that is. And the centrists would, would say, well... You know, instead of uh, having uh, it be the wild, wild west or uh, the so-called government takeover of health care, which is ridiculous because uh, there's different uh, systems of single payer, like in uh, Canada and Australia, there's they have different systems than uh, than Britain. And I prefer a system like Canada or Australia, uh, I'll go into the Australian system later on because I actually learned from Jimmy Dore uh, what it's like. Jimmy, Jimmy Dore is a uh, comedian and a political commentator, a progressive political commentator. And he's had Tulsi Gabbard on his show. And Tulsi Gabbard supports like an Australian style single payer system where uh, there's still like supplemental private insurance. Um, and you can't. Opt out of pay, but you can't opt out of paying for the single payer uh, through taxes. So uh, I do support uh, something like a Canadian healthcare system, which I've gone through before, or an Australian uh, healthcare system. So the centrist position would be. So so the the far right is, it's not a guarantee that. Uh, that most people will be that most people will be covered, and if they are covered, they're probably going to go bankrupt. Um, that's the far right. The far the quote unquote far left is let's have everybody covered. Let's pay through that. Let's pay for medical care uh, and medical coverage. I should say coverage through because uh, I do support uh, as a temporary solution. I do support uh, private. Hospitals, private care, uh, but funded through tax dollars. So, which is the Canadian system, which is also handled at the provincial level uh, and the local level, as opposed to a, a, again a big bloated federal bureaucracy. That's another talking point. So, the Canadian healthcare system, if we implemented that here, would uh, actually reduce uh, federal bureaucracy. So. That's another talking point, but, uh, uh, but the, the left position is, yeah, let's get everybody covered. You can see whatever doctor you want, uh, and, uh, you won't have to worry about going into crippling medical debt. The centrist position on that is, well, can we cover some people and then maybe, you know, leave some people behind, uh, and uh, have them have uh, crippling medical debt and you know dying from medical bankruptcy and you know having some insurance plans that that cover uh, some things and other insurance plans that cover other things and stuff like that. like can we have some of that? You know, like that's the centrist position on that. So uh, again, the, the far left and the far right are not even close to equally bad. Yes, there are elements that are uh, that are bad on both ends, but overall, it's you know I do believe, even though I am biased, it is objective really to say that that the so-called far left is not equally dangerous or immoral overall as uh, the far right. So anyway, thank you for uh, listening to my hour and a half long spiel here. And again, I will try to uh, prepare a a newscast again, uh, start preparing newscasts again for Uh, starting next week. But for this week, this is what you get. So um, (laughs) thank you to uh, everybody that has liked my Facebook page. And uh, remember to donate on Patreon as well if you like my work and would like to continue supporting the show. So yeah, patreon.com slash the left side of liberty, facebook.com slash the left side of liberty podcast, I believe is the link. Yes. So Anyway, uh, check those uh, links out, those pages out, and I will see you guys next time here on the Left Side of Liberty podcast. Thanks, guys.